podcast for Halloween, the 31st of October, 2023. Happy Tuesday to you. I am your host. I'll keep this brief and relatively painless. Just open wide. Bite your bottom lip. You can't really do both at the same time. We'll get through this thing together. Hope for the best. Welcome to it. Thanks for being patient the last couple of days. It's just been one of those things, you know, how life is. But I do appreciate you listening, downloading, sharing, telling a friend and all that stuff. Really, honestly, I do. So thank you so much for that. We've got a lot of ground to cover in a little bit of time. So let us get down to it, shall we? Um, <clears throat> oh, by the way, at the end of the show, I'll announce who won the book. I'll, I'll ruin the surprise. It's my book. It's amazing how many people want my book. You can get it for like four bucks. I buy it for four bucks on eBay, and I'm giving it away. So uh, that means that Greg Gutfeld will return next week and uh, take me on again. Since I bought a couple copies of my book, and it was so popular, I'll throw that back up there again. And if you win, you can uh, get, uh, I'll write whatever you want. And by the way, if you still, if you want just a signed book plate, I did find a stash of, a little stash of book plates. You can email me, DerekAllenHunter at gmail.com. And uh, send me your address, obviously. And if you want it just autographed or if you want it uh, personalized to you, it's up to you. I'll do whatever you want. You want A lot of people just say, write something funny, which, like, thanks a lot. You're putting all the pressure on me. But uh, I'll do that. I'll come up with something or write something serious. Thanks for saving my life in Nam. Whatever you want. Uh, and I'll just put a stamp on it. I got a, I got a few forever stamps sitting right in front of me. And you'll get that for free. You can put it in your own copy of your own book. So you've got that one. Go well, Basically, I'm saying go for Gutfeld. But whatever. Your choice. Patreon.com slash Derek Hunter Podcast or DerekHunter.Locals.com. Thanks to everybody for the kind words about my late brother-in-law, Brian. Good man. I'm sort of torn about writing about it. It's one of those weird things when somebody dies where you... Like, when my, my parents died, that was me. This is me, too, but it's my sister, really. And so I I thought about writing about it. There's a lot of stuff that went on that, you know, especially this year just kind of sucked. I lost my father, lost my brother-in-law. He's the longest serving member of my family who wasn't born into my family. Um, and, yeah, he's been dating my sister since, like, 1983, since she asked him to a high school dance. He was a year or two younger than her. But um, it... You know, it's, it's not my my parents I could write about. It feels a little intrusive if I wrote about my brother-in-law and, and my thoughts on it. I might after a little bit of time, because it's it's more like you know, it's it's enough to make you question God is the way that I'd I'd, I'd put it. And you sit there and you go, God has a plan. We hear those people. God has a plan. God's plan. This, that, and the other thing. Um. I just don't understand it. I mean, maybe this is more appropriate for a weekend effing review because I feel like I want to swear during this. But it, you sit there and you go, well, what what plan? Like, I get it. People have, maybe everybody expires. Everybody dies. It's a part of life. 
but how it, how you die and the, the suffering you go through. And some people go through no suffering. Some people go through a lot of suffering. Some really horrible people live long and evil lives. And some people like my brother-in-law get taken horribly by cancer at 57. And you just go, this doesn't make any sense. What, what kind of a plan? My mother was basically in pain mostly since she was 39 years old. Just uh, horrible pain, phantom pain from losing her arm. She had circulatory problems. She had all sorts of health problems. She kept a good disposition. I don't know if she gets bonus points with God for that or what, but she did as well as anybody could. But she was in a lot of pain and would have lots of bouts of serious phantom pain. And it was horrible because there's literally nothing you can do. You can't, Can she knows her leg isn't there, but her body is convinced it is. And she can feel it essentially being stabbed. And you just sit there and you go, this is messed up. And like, well, God has a plan for all of us. And you have to sit there and excuse my French and go, what kind of a fucking plan is that a woman spends 38 years of her life in severe pain and then dies from an infection after a bypass surgery? What kind of fucked up plan? There's no other, there's no way, we couldn't possibly deviate from that so that she lives a really nice life and, uh, you know, without the physical pain and then dies peacefully in her sleep, content, you know, nothing like that. No, just can't do that. Like, I, I don't understand. I know it's not a place to question God, but it, you can't, God gave us the ability to question him. I don't know how we'd expect us to not exercise that under shit situations like this, where a guy at 57 years old spends three years fighting cancer, trying everything and nothing slows it down. And he ends up essentially suffocating um, not getting enough oxygen and eventually passing away really quickly once they end, finally ended treatment last week, the week before he died. There was just nothing. The only thing left was one thing with about 5% chance of making any kind of difference, but the quality of life it would have led would have been uh, bad and it probably wouldn't have worked. And so they decided to um, go for quantity or go for quality over quantity and then less than seven days later, he was gone. And it's like, what kind of a fucking plan is that? What earth-shattering, immovable part of human existence was advanced in the grand scheme of things by that? Is there any? Is there any? No, there, there can't be any. And besides, if there were, you're God. You make the plan. Couldn't you? I don't know. And not, everything's got not got to be roses or anything like that. But for crying out loud, something just something that makes sense. Meanwhile, Vladimir Putin's running around. Everybody in Iran, all the terrorists and Hamas, they're perfectly fine. I mean, maybe not having a good day, but the leaders of Hamas, they're living in in Doha, living large, probably knee deep in blowing hookers. And you just sit there and you go, what kind of a stupid plan is this? It'll all make sense one day. I don't know that it will. But even if it does, there's no way it couldn't be done another way if you get to make the plan, right? Anyway, just one of those things you sit around and you think about and you go, God, does God exist? And if if God does exist, is God all-powerful? If God does exist, is God all good? Can God be both? 
when things like this happen. I don't know. It's one of those things when you have a lot of time on your hands or an inability to sleep. Anyway, enough about my tribulations. I will get on with the news. Okay. The situation on American college campuses is deteriorating by the the minute. It is amazing to me. The Democrats cannot keep kosher. Let's just put it. Democrats are at a crossroads. Now, Democrats have always been a coalition of people who don't really like each other all that much. They stoke differences by appealing to people based on those differences, right? And assigning victimhood status to different groups of people and saying that they are the protectorate of those different groups of people. But if we're just being honest, and let's be honest, and as my, I don't know who it's going to get me in trouble with, but it could get me in trouble, could piss off some people, so be it, if that's the case. Um, the Democratic coalition is a whole bunch of people who, in the general sense of things, don't like each other left to their own devices. Democrats try to appeal to union members. As somebody from a union household, I can tell you the union household, on average, there's not a lot of racial sensitivity in a union household. There's not a lot of cultural sensitivity in a union household. There's not a lot of concern for pride parades happening in a union household. Not to say universally across the board, but I'm just telling you, as somebody who grew up in this environment my whole life, and, you know, all, all through my life, they're the people I feel most comfortable around just because I don't have to worry about impressing them. I don't have to, you know, like everybody else is so obsessed with money and there's no more salt of the earth. And it doesn't matter. Black, white, doesn't matter what I'm talking about. Um, they're more content than anybody else. The people in, in Washington, D.C. in politics, it's weird. The more money they make like the, the angrier they get, the more determined to get more money they get. And it's a, it's a, a sad situation because you live, you always find a way to live within your means, but most of the time just barely. And it doesn't really matter what your means are. And so you end up in a screwy situation where you have more, you know, more money, more problems. You have more money, but you need more money because you end up treading water in a a pool that keeps getting fuller and fuller and fuller. And you got to tread more water and tread more water. I understand it doesn't work that way in treading water, but you get the analogy. So spare me the, the angry emails about the physics of swimming. But it is, you know, the union, The let's face it. The black community traditionally is not a super welcoming place for the Jewish community. It's not universal. Don't shoot the messenger. I'm just telling you how it is. Having dealt with everybody, and I believe me, I've been in every sort of situation you could possibly imagine. You can't have had, I'm upwards of like 80 jobs now. You can't have had the life I've had without interacting with every group of human beings and in multiple ways for extended periods of time and especially doing manual labor where you spend an awful lot of time listening to talk radio where you're on a roof or you're in a construction site and then you take a break for lunch or whatever and you talk to people and you really get a sense of who they are you really do and you hear some stuff you hear some conspiracy stuff from people where you're like what are you talking about? You're insane. That's not, no, no, no. They heard it from somebody who heard it from somebody or whatever. And it doesn't matter which group I'm talking about. The conspiracies go, you know, up and down the food chain all across humanity. And you just go, my God, 
we're really just, uh, we're a couple of poorly worded tweets away from a nonstop, full-blown riot fighting in the streets like in the, the first Kingsman movie. It really is like that. It's not that bad, but I mean, the the divi- divisions. Now, most of the divisions, they don't really motivate people to do anything. So it's it's a little bit unfair when I say that, you know, it's uh, this group is a little bit homophobic. Union members might have a little bit more homophobia than the general population or the black community might have a little bit of a homophobic streak in there. It's not like everybody's going to go out and beat the hell out of everybody or whatever. The gay community is really not super big fans of the black community. The gay people I've known and not universally and not to the point of action or anything like that, but there's a animosity there. There's an animosity there. And I think there's animosity between every group, but I think part of it comes because of the democratic party, the way that they appeal to people is you're talking to a group of gay people who tell you, look, we know everybody's out to get you. We're going to protect you. Don't worry. Well, who's out to get you? Well, don't worry about that. We won't give it a specific name. Well, everybody has their own specific story of who's out to get them. And everybody sees videos online about who's out to get them or whatever. And if you're an old Asian woman and you're walking the streets of Oakland, California or Manhattan, you're probably not going to be punched in the face randomly by a gay dude. Just saying, there's a specific profile. It's not 100%, but it's like 92% of the time. That doesn't mean it's 92% of the people who look that way, but of the half a percentage point or whatever of the people who are inclined to be stupid and violent, you can draw various conclusions. No blanket statements are 100% correct, but everything is based on something, right? And the Democrats create this by appealing to people, saying, look, we're out. We're going to protect you. We're out, they're out to get you. The other people, the others are out to get you. We'll protect you. And they cobble together this coalition of people who they've subtly, through innuendo or explicitly through flat out saying it, have they have courted into believing that somebody is out to get them. Another member, other groups, other coalition members, are out to get them. You can't really have a coalition. It's not really a coalition. They're not rowing in the same direction. They're all rowing in their own direction. They all are appealed to with their own special interests, their own special pieces of legislation, their own legislative promises, etc., etc. They don't really ever act on any of them, but they pay enough lip service to get uh, get them going. So that when something happens that pits groups against each other, the Democrats are kind of lost. They're not, they're not in the business of stopping animosity. The biggest group of people that Democrats try to turn people against are conservatives. Conservatives. Now, they do this usually right under the guise of, oh, straight white men, cis white men. Now, they've replaced the word straight in the dictionary with cis. Cis white men, they're the problem. They're the this, they're the that, they're the other thing. But you find a black conservative out there and they will face the wrath of the left like like they were a straight, rich white dude. It doesn't matter. It's ideological. They just slap a thing on it. They, they don't really care much for Asian Americans. Why? Because they do too well in schools. They do too well in business. They do too well economically. What do I mean by that? Well, 
the left is out there telling people the country is wildly racist and it's geared towards white people and white people only and it's just oppressive to everybody else and then you look over there and there's indian americans and and asian americans and suddenly they're doing better than whitey and like what the hell is going you can't be that racist if you're letting a whole bunch of asian minority groups eurasian minority groups to get through this to beat us the system can't be rigged in favor of whitey if whitey ain't winning right so they ruin the curve again, again. They screw things up and they're sitting there trying to get their kids into colleges, trying to do good by their kids. And what do they say? This is ridiculous. We just want to do right by our kids. And the left is going out to, you're, you're, you're shut up. No, you're, sh- look, minorities are not supposed to do well in the education system or the business to anything in here. And Asians are doing well. And you sit there and if you were at all interested in trying to get other people to do well, you'd go, what are the Asians doing that's so different? And you'd look and you'd say, well, their families are more intact. They have a higher emphasis than almost anybody else, really, when it comes to education and family. Maybe that's key to something. And then you look at, say, the black community, where the Democrats have actively worked to destroy the family, and you see the exact opposite of what's going on in the Asian community, and you go, huh, maybe there's a connection there. And you start that hamster in your head, wheel going around and around and around, and then you enter dangerous territory, and you become a threat to the Democratic Party. The Democrats have a choice. You can try to appeal to one group or the other, because either way, the other group is going to have some questions that you're not really going to be able to answer. You try to appeal to Asians, then the blacks are going to be going, hey, wait a second, why are you appealing? You're, wait, you're embracing them while destroying the black family, the policies that destroy the black family. You're, wait, that's not right. That's not cool. And if you embrace the black community, then you got the Asians going, wait, we're being discriminated against. We're ethnic minorities too. We're a smaller minority than almost anybody else. How is it that we get screwed? Why are we, you know, the definition of a minority, we're getting screwed. You can't have it both ways. So they just ignore the Asians. They basically treat them like they're white. Welcome to the party. (laughs) It's, It's the most screwed up thing. If you really look at what the coalition is that the Democratic Party has cobbled together, if they were left to their own devices, if they were in a room together as just uniformed groups, they wouldn't get along because the Democrats have been so conditioned to do it. What, what do you, you get the black community being told, look, black-owned businesses, that's the way to go. you got to give back to the community. you got to keep it into the community, support black-owned businesses. And then you go into the corner grocery store or whatever, or your landlord or whatever, is uh, Jewish. Well, things are expensive at the corner store. You've only had one corner store your whole life and you know that things are expensive there. So instead of just going, well, things are always expensive at the corner store, I should maybe go to a grocery store and I'll find better prices, although not really under Joe Biden. Instead, you just get angry and all those Jews are just trying to screw me over. I'm going to go in there and do it. And the resentment grows and Democrats are always there. Al Sharpton, to to stoke the flames, Al Sharpton made his name stoking the flames. Jesse Jackson called New York Jaime Town, a slur for Jews. Al Sharpton talked about Jewish interlopers 
coming into the black community and taking all the money out of the black community. Look, first of all, nobody's taking any money out voluntarily. You have to come in and engage in a transaction with a store owner in order to have them have any of your money, right? And that how it works? You choose to actively engage in this. Or you don't. It is not a big coalition of evil Jewish interlopers actively preventing other people from being able to open businesses in a particular neighborhood. One would think the, I don't know, the Democrat establishment, if they were so concerned, and the politicians there and the people who pay for those politicians would, uh, if they really believed what they were saying, would try to open businesses in these neighborhoods, but they don't. Or if they do, to the extent that they do, they end up charging just as much as the other place. It's almost like market forces are at, at play. But nobody wants to talk about that because it's more useful to pit one group of people against each other because it's not very often that their interests boil up simultaneously. So you can pander to one group while the other groups aren't really paying attention. And you can score points to them and keep them in line. And then the next group, you go and pander to them and nobody's paying attention. Right now, you got two groups that the Democrats have been pandering to and they're being forced to choose. Do they choose Islam or do they choose Judaism? Which do they go for? Now, it's kind of weird because I watched some of the White House press briefing today and the wildly historic Karine Jean-Pierre was regularly or was uh, multiple times asked about the anti-Semitism across the country on college campuses in particular, the tenured anti-Semitism and all the Democrats that are exposing themselves as really just hating the Jews. My God. And she roundly condemned anti-Semitism. And then without being provoked, each time it came up, she brought up Islamophobia as well. Now, where is the crush of Islamophobia? Where is the increase in Islamic Islamophobic attacks? Where is it? Where are the threats against the, the against Muslim Americans? Where is it? It's not there. The most common hate crime in the United States by far, more than half of the hate crimes reported last year or twenty. 21 probably was the last year you probably have data for. More than half of the hate crimes in the country were committed against Jews. Jews. The Jews are a tiny fraction of the country. A tiny fraction of the country. As far as uh, Muslims, hate crimes against Muslims, it's the unicorns, the Bigfoot of it. It's like 2% of hate crimes, something like that. It's a very small number relative to the number of attacks against Jews for being Jewish. But the White House, every time they're asked about it, they make and they've said, "Well, we're, we're we stand with Israel." Yeah, they stand right. We stand right behind Israel with a bat and a knife. Maybe should they go too far, we'll club them over the head or we'll stick them in the back with the knife. That's what the Democrats do. It's how the Democrats do it. And every time, believe me, when they're talking about, you know, what about anti-Semitism? Anti-Semitism is wrong. Hate of any kind is wrong. And we need to stamp out anti-Semitism. We need to stamp out Islamophobia. We need to make sure that none of... Well, wait, what, where's the Islamophobia? Where's the uh, anti... Well, it's it's out there. One guy somewhere posted something nasty on Facebook. Okay, that's not tenured professors giving speeches about how we need to wipe 
Gaza and the West Bank off the map, all right? From the river to the sea, give it all to Israel. What? No, that you're talking about genocide. But the left is actually literally talking about genocide. They want to kill all the Jews. <laughs> no, no ambiguity. They tell you they want to kill all the Jews. The Jews aren't going, we want to kill all the Palestinians. The, I'll tell you, the, the uh, I've known some Jews in my life. I've known some Muslims in my life. They all have very strong opinions about this issue. But it is more often than not in my experience when the issue comes up, be it in class, and I went, I lived in Dearborn in college, and I went to Wayne State, and there was, it's a commuter college right near Dearborn in downtown Detroit. And there was a lot of Arabic students there. I went, you know, just went back there again. We ate it delicious food. But if you bring up this issue, Jews are not particularly happy with what's going on over there, obviously. And they don't, they're not big fans of the Palestinians, but they don't get physically angry, except for times like this, just in general. But if you, in the middle, when I was in college, there wasn't much going on. And we'd had, in some political science classes, world history classes, we had heated debates. And I got into heated arguments with people I was super friendly with in class, but they, uh, they pulled the my people crap about the Palestinians. My people. Now, they weren't Palestinian. They were actually Lebanese, these guys. But they were my people this and my people that. And then you go, well, why doesn't Lebanon take the Palestinians? No, what? No, no way. We don't want them. Jordanians take Egyptian. No, hell no. We don't want them. They don't really want to have a serious discussion about it. But their knee-jerk Pavlovian response is an emotional one. It really, truly is. And it's that tribal response that the left has ingrained in people. It's disturbing. I don't know how you undo it. You can't, you can't really rationalize, not in any short-term kind of way, with people who immediately upon hearing of a subject get wildly emotional about it and have the... My, first of all, as soon as somebody says, my people this, my people that, you'll lose me. You're racist, right? That's just what it is. If I'm like, my people, my white people, what, what? no, I would never do that. I don't identify with anybody I don't know that I just look at and go, you know what? You and I share skin color. I absolutely identify. What if that person was born rich? What if that person was born in, in Europe? I wasn't born in Europe. What if they were whatever? What if they're vegetarian? I don't identify with them. I don't know who they are. I don't know anything about them. I might. I get to know them, but there's a probably there's just as much of a chance that I would identify with a gay black dude based on our upbringing and our common lived experiences. Who the hell knows? But the left doesn't work that way, and they won't let other people work that way. And it's all well and good when you can keep your fire trained on the right or anybody who dissents from your orthodox, when you're just appealing to people based on their ethnicity, their sexual orientation, their skin color, whatever. But every once in a while, something comes along that pits these groups against each other. Democrats have to pick sides. And it's pretty clear which side the Democrats have chosen. From the White House on down, they're trying to pretend that they're very concerned about Israel, but they're trying to force a ceasefire on Israel. Israel's hitting back. Keep that in mind. Israel is working to try and prevent the people who hit them in the first place from ever being able to do it again, or at least extract an extraordinary price from them.
Democrats are not even calling for the release of hostages. You want to know how pathetic they are. So spare me that crap. All right. Uh, just a thought I had. I want to talk just a quick second here about this weird phenomenon that's going on now of women having OnlyFans page. Now, I don't care what you do with your body, your choice. You want to show off your titties? Go ahead. You want to become a prostitute? I'm very libertarian on that. I wouldn't have anything to do with you. I don't want anything to do with you. Whatever. And I would think less of you as a person. But if you want to do it, I'm not going to stop you. But there are consequences for actions. Now, what brought this up? Did I find out that some ex-girlfriend of mine was an, had an OnlyFans page? No, I've never actually seen an OnlyFans page. But this story in the New York Post, headline, second teacher at Missouri High School caught peddling porn on OnlyFans. I'm like, what? Yeah. A second teacher at a small town Missouri high school has landed in hot water for supplementing her income by peddling porn on OnlyFans after a student slipped a note under her classroom door that they, quote, knew her secret, according to a report. Megan Gaither, 31, an English teacher and a varsity cheerleading coach at St. Clair High School, told the Post-Dispatch that she was put on leave Friday after her X-rated moonlighting job was revealed. Quote, teaching does not financially support a person. It's really hard to stretch those paychecks during the summer. That's why I did it, she told the news outlet. Do you, if you're a teacher, is your only other skill your ass? Like, honest to God, like, ugh, having summers off. Well, you could probably get paid, you know, over time, save that money or ask. To, I think most districts will pay you over the course of 52 weeks, not just 40 weeks. You could work that out. But no, it's just an example of what I said at the beginning of this. People find a way to live at their means or just above. She says, Gaither said she joined the subscription-based site in May to help pay back more than $125,000 in student loans. You're a moron. She uh, told uh, her total pay last year, including coaching stipend, was about $47,500. That's not nothing. For small-town Missouri, you can't make ends meet? Her colleague, Brianna Coppage, Coppage in a field, a former freshman and sophomore English teacher at the school, recently resigned uh, also to devote her time to porn after she was placed on leave when it was revealed that she was running an OnlyFans page. Now, they're both hot-looking teachers, at least in the pictures that we have available in this story. They're both good-looking teachers. But honest to God, is your first thing like, what can I do? I'll just go screw people for money or I'll get screwed on camera for money. Coppage was suspended on September 27th after district officials got wind of her scandalous side gig, which she took on to supplement her measly salary of $42,000. Again, $42,000 is not measly. It's not FU money, but it is an entry level salary. You can make ends meet if you're determined to make ends meet. You can, I don't know, get a roommate. You can live with parents. You can live with family. You can do all sorts of things that you can do to make ends meet. I used to have to commute an hour to Washington, D.C. from Baltimore because I was making $26,000 a year. And I couldn't afford to live anywhere near D.C. without a bunch of roommates. I didn't want to have a bunch of roommates, so I lived by myself in a crappy Baltimore apartment. I did that for 13 years. 
I didn't go. I should show my penis on the on the internet and everything. Get my no. I'm an adult. I have morals. I have scruples. People don't apparently anymore. The former teacher told Fox News that she made close to one million dollars selling porn after ditching her teaching duties and making global headlines. Well, congratulations. You sold your soul to be a whore. I, that's okay. You can do it. Oh, the, the whore is so judgmental. So what? You can't get upset about the word if your attitude is, I don't care what other people think. And then somebody says, well, you're whoring yourself. Out. You go, oh, misogyny. No, you either don't care or you care. But it's just bizarre what the hell is going on in this world where these Women are, their default position is what I'm going to do is I'm going to start uh, blowing dudes. That's going to, or I'm going to start whoring myself out. And yeah, I use the word whoring myself out because that's what they're doing. I don't care. They're free to do it. But make no mistake, you're not going to lie to yourself. My body, my choice. Yes, it is. But if you're a prostitute or you're having sex, you're a whore. It's all right. The men are whores. All of them. That's fine, though. Just look up the definition of the word. But what is it that happened in society that 20 years ago, 10 years ago, this would not have been an option. And now there's just a whole bunch of women going, I'm going to start showing bikini shots and I'm going to do, oh, I'm going to put my hands over my nipples and you can see my under boob and everything. And then I'll get a whole bunch of Instagram followers. And then you just have to keep up in the game and up in the game and up in the game because you become addicted to it. You think about some of the biggest movie stars in the world particularly the men. I'll use men as an example in this one. Where every woman or almost every woman would go, oh, I'd absolutely love to have sex with Brad Pitt. Okay. Now, do you think Brad Pitt is easily a one-woman man? Is it? Do you think, you know, you think he's a missionary man? Probably not. Why? Because every woman he meets, 90% of the women throw, like, absolutely, I would have sex with you, Brad, under any circumstances, any way you want. You want to bring in three or four other people into bed? Come on, let's do it. And you keep upping that game, and you get crazier and crazier and crazier, and use apparatus and swings and toys and donkeys and whatever, and you go, yeah, no, now I want to settle down. You're not going to be able to settle down. You're never going to be able to recede back to normalcy. You're just not. The same thing with this it's society. Women get a little bit of attention. They go, oh, you know what? I'll just put in, I won't show my face, but I'll just show some body shots of me and some lingerie. Oh, I'm getting more money. Oh, more I'm making $5,000 a month just doing this. And then you start spending $5,000 a month that you're getting suddenly the new money. You're like, whoa, wait, if I can, if I show my face, then I can maybe get uh, $10,000 a month. And then you start getting used to spending $10,000 a month. And you go, all right, well, if I take the lingerie off, I get $15,000. All right, I'll get $15,000 a month. And then you go, well, if I bring in some toys or some other, the money keeps going up because you keep needing the money up. There's nobody living in a $400 a month apartment bringing in $20,000 a month on OnlyFans. They are spending what they get, which then necessitates them to have to get more and do more. And they don't realize that they're spinning around, circling the toilet bowl. I want to play you something along these lines. There's an NBA player. I don't know NBA players, but there's a guy. His, uh, he's retired now. 
but his name uh, was Joe, what is it, Joe Smith or something like that? No. Yeah, Joe Smith, NBA player. Now, I couldn't find whether or not he had, a, if this was his girlfriend or his wife. I hope for his sake it's his girlfriend because then he can dump her, right? <laughs> If it's his wife, it's going to be a little more complicated. This headline, New York Post, ex-NBA star Joe Smith has furious reaction when he finds out girlfriend has OnlyFans page. Now, TMZ reports that it's his wife, so you can decide their headline, uh, ex-NBA or Joe Smith furious over wife's OnlyFans page. Now, there's explicit language in this. I looked it up. Joe Smith retired in 2011. His last season with the, was with the Lakers. He made $1.35 million. Over the course of his career, he had earnings of $61 million. You take 10% off of that, then another 40% off. He's somewhere $30 million bucks in his pocket, I'd imagine. Maybe he's broke. I don't know. I doubt it, though. And given the way that people can sell their autographs and everything, that nobody's ever really broke if they were famous. But I want you to listen to this because... This woman, his wife or his girlfriend, is filming him surreptitiously at first, meaning she didn't tell him she was filming him, to get his reaction. That's the only reason we have this audio is she filmed it and she posted it online, which is why I think if it's his girlfriend, he should dump her. If it's his wife, it's counseling and then, you know, divorce would be understandable. But listen to her attitude. Wait, wait, no, 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 calm, but you're not gonna say fuck me or that's fucked up. It's not what fucked up. Me? What the fuck you doing? <sighs> Listen, it's not fucked up. And we're going to, okay, look, so I have an OnlyFans page and he's mad because he's just now finding out about it. Of course I'm mad I'm just finding but out about it. I'm not doing it with anybody but myself, so why should I have to tell you my choice, my body, my I'm body, brother, my fucking choice. I'm your partner, you're supposed to come to me and talk to Joe, me Joe, I've been talking to you about mad things. I've been asking for solutions to shit. You're not giving me none, so I created one. That's no solution, not in my book. You knew, you knew who the fuck I was when you met me. Before. Before. Before, before yeah. We met, before, yeah, I knew and that. I thought that I would never have to go Man, back to anything like this again. Beforehand, but unfortunately, no, no, no. that's not the case right that, now. After that, everything's supposed to change. Everything did change. No, 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 no. Obviously, everything, it hasn't. No, it had to. I had obviously to do something. Hasn't. You stood out there showing your body. You stood out there doing stuff like this on camera. You act like that's the only thing that I do. I have mad jobs, but they're not facilitating everything that needs to be done. So I got something extra. Only fans be breaking me off. What the Man, fuck? Come on, Keisha, with that. It don't matter what they breaking you off. It's the disrespect that comes with it. What you disrespect? Even, you couldn't come and talk to me about it. Okay, well, we're talking about it now. Because I had so. to find out on the fly. All right, then. But now, okay. No, so, wait. I had to find out on the fly. So now you know. Yeah, now I know. Okay. And so? Whatever. I've been doing what I have to do, period. Like, that's bottom line. That's what it is. Doesn't she sound lovely? 
Now, this uh, word of advice for you kids out there. Um, according to TMZ, Smith's partner of five years. Well, maybe they're not married, so get the hell out, dude. Smith's partner of five years, Keisha Chavez, a former adult actress who went by the name Yasmin Penn Davis, shared footage of his reaction, blah, blah, blah. She's a former porn star. So, yeah, you're not really going to find high-quality people. Go ahead. If you're a porn star, send me an angry email saying, oh, I'm the salt of the... Whatever. By and large, on average, not super great. Don't marry a porn star, okay? Probably don't have sex with a porn star either. But, uh, yeah, I don't understand. OnlyFans is breaking me off. Okay, okay. Maybe she doesn't have any other marketable skills. But if that's the case, dude, you're a former NBA star. You you can't find a non-porn star. You can't. Do yourself a favor. Do it. All right, I don't know what the hell this means for society, but it ain't good. It sure as hell ain't good. That's all the time we have for today or all the time I'm doing today. I'm going to go watch the Lions game. People message me and go, oh, you're going to get excited about the lines. I try not to. I shouldn't. But it's hard to you sit there and you go, well, that would be nice. That would be nice. I would like to get excited about the Lions. And so when they're on national television, I watch and then they suck. And you go, yeah, this is why I don't get excited. This is why I don't get excited. Anyway, the winner of the book this week is Michael Sherlock. No shit, Sherlock. Congratulations, Michael. You've got a message from me. Send me your address and what, if anything, you'd like me to write in the book, and I will get it out to you. And then I'll put another copy of Outrage Incorporated up again this week. Go against Greg Gutfeld, so check that out at patreon.com slash Podcast or com, and you can send me the uh, requests for signed book plates and whatnot. Have a great Halloween. Brush your teeth before you go to bed. I'll see you tomorrow.